Hey friends, welcome to Let's Catch Up, a podcast where um, a grown woman talks about The Bachelorette endlessly. Just kidding, I'm not going to talk about it this week because I don't even really understand what we watched on Tuesday, but we are watching. And if you're not watching, you're racist. Um, I'm kidding, kind of. Like if you watch Katie's season, you're not watching Michelle's, I ask you why. But if you stopped watching like a year ago because you're tired of it all and it's coming on on Tuesdays and that's when you go to Zumba class and like, who am I to judge you? You know, live your life, but Hulu exists. Anyway, um, I am very invested in Cardi B and Penn Badgley's friendship. Thank you so much. I love that it started because he was trying to be like, no, she just has an authentic relationship with social media and she was just like, he knows who I am and they changed their photos to one another on social media. And I did finish season three of You and keep watching that show but I can't stop also you know Netflix is out here giving us Tiger King season two I don't think I need that Bridgerton season two that is what I need should I read the books guys did we read the books I keep thinking should I read it and then I read other things let me know um what are we catching up on this week obviously Alec Baldwin and this whole situation on the rest set there's also like this weird situation with Zane and Gigi and Yolanda that we have to kind of touch on that's definitely like still developing as I record this um Lori Laughlin is cutting some checks Katie Couric wrote a memoir Brian Cox wrote a memoir um Selling Sunset has some like relationship developments that we're definitely going to talk about um and you know Courtney is not the only Kardashian in the nude, which I didn't even really talk about their engagement. I mean, like, the thing that's so crazy is that multiple people are like, you, you do have to remember that she's 41 and this is the first time that she's getting proposed to because her and Scott were together for 10 years and never were engaged. Um, so that's exciting for her. And that ring is massive. But I love all the TikToks that are like, Trav, let's mosh. Travis, we should get married here. And it's like a sign that says like the 13th circle of hell or whatever. So funny because she really has turned into like the punk rock Kardashian. It's like, okay, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, let's catch up. All right. First story this week is the obviously sad one. This whole situation with Alec Baldwin and the prop gun. I mean, My God, I'm sure that you guys have seen or read multiple things about it. I'm going to try and break down everything that we know um, about this tragedy that killed um, Helena Hutchins and then wounded the director on set. Um, Just want to quickly say the cops found 500 rounds of ammunition on set, a mix of blanks and what they believe to be live bullets, which seems insane to me for a film set, but what do I know? Um, this movie was filming in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, the story of the movie is that a 13 year old is wrongly accused of murder. And Alec Baldwin is the kid's grandfather and he comes to town to try and get him justice. It's like a Western situation of some sort, which is why we had guns to begin with, but absolutely the insane that there are guns that could kill. This is obviously like a deeply upsetting story. So I just want to preface before I start fully getting into it that like, you know, how they say like details can be disturbing for some young listeners they disturbed me in my middle age I'm gonna tell you right now but there are you know obviously things are upsetting so do do with that way you will make the decision for your mental health if it's gonna upset you listen to this don't blame me one bit um so last week Alec Baldwin was rehearsing a scene in which he had to draw a gun and shoot it at the camera 
sitting at the camera were the cinematographer Helena and the director Joel Souza. Alec fires what he believes to be a prop gun during a rehearsal. Everyone hears a loud noise. People run out of the room. Then Helena says, um, I can't feel my legs. Medics on set start treating her. We obviously know the like terrible and tragic conclusion of that situation. Apparently, the assistant director handed Alec Baldwin a gun, yelling out, quote, cold gun. It obviously was not. I can't even understand a situation where there would be need to be a hot gun. If there are blanks, like, like apparently blanks can still kill. I didn't know that. I, I, I don't know. So this assistant director goes on to tell the police that he hadn't done as thorough of a search as he should have. So there were three guns sitting on a shelf, I guess, that the armor had put there. And he picked up one, and I guess he, like, did a cursory search of some sort, but he clearly did not do a thorough one. He told the police that after the fact. Again, why were there guns on set that could kill? Um, so we've got our first strike here of someone who didn't do their job properly and someone else ended up not being able to go home to her family after filming. Um, and a man who had no intention of taking a life that day at work having to deal with the consequences of being the one that pulled the trigger. So that's your first kind of line of defense here. Is this, this assistant director has been cooperating, I guess. The police are also talking to the armorer on set, and her name is Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Her father was apparently also a Hollywood armorer. And on a podcast this year, she was saying that her first job was earlier this year in 2021 on another Western, and she said, quote, she wasn't sure if she was ready. I'm not trying to hold that against her, obviously, but it's just, like, a little concerning because, like, if I'm not ready to make this podcast, like, no one's going to die, you know? So we have the assistant director, we have the armorer, and then, obviously, Alec Baldwin was the one who was holding the gun. Um, We have the additional component of not just these three people who, uh, we're not going to use the word responsible, but we're, like, ingrained in this situation, the additional component of the like uh, labor situation and strike on set, uh, people who were in the, okay guys, I called it a IATSE, it's apparently pronounced IATSE, but like how was I supposed to know that? It's mostly vowels. Yahtzee is a union? Anyway, um, so there were people in IATSE, the union that I was talking about a couple weeks ago that was threatening to strike in Hollywood. Um, There were people that walked off set earlier that day within the exact same day, hours before the shooting occurred um, because of unsafe working conditions and the lack of support by production. And so the production had been hiring non-union crew members, which I don't know the ins and outs of this, but the implication here is that they are less trained, less qualified, whatever. So it seems like set was kind of a powder keg um, to begin with, but no reason for a woman to lose her life. The additional mess here when you get into the production, the union people walking off set, is that Alec Baldwin, I I don't know what you guys believe, I I would like to believe he is not responsible for the loss of life explicitly, like, he was handed a gun, it's not his job as an actor, like, does he know to check every single time? I think you're supposed to trust people on set, but he still pulled the trigger, and that has to be incredibly traumatizing, but... Given that he's a producer on the film, it does get complicated when I'm just assuming and speculating at some point there will be a lawsuit filed here about unsafe working conditions, and he will inherently be a part of that lawsuit because he's a producer on the film. I don't know what other production companies are behind this film. I don't know the ins and outs here. Honestly, what do producers do? 
the end of Insecure the other night, 300 producers, I swear to God. Executive producer, I know that's the big one. Then you got a producer, a consulting producer, a co-producer. Baby, what? Why? Anyway, this is like obviously beyond a sad story. No real answers yet as to like who's ultimately going to be held responsible if anyone is. But you have a son and it's just like they can't finish filming this movie, right? There's no way. I, I have no interest in watching this movie. Oh, so upsetting. Okay, we have weirdly a high level of celebrity violence this week, which isn't great um, and, and not really the brand here at Let's Catch Up, but this story, like I said earlier, very much developing as we speak, ongoing, if you will, if I was a journalist, this story's ongoing, but there are allegations that Zayn Malik, quote, struck Yolanda Hadid, his baby mama's mama. And the statements that are being released are not making me think like, oh, what a bizarre misunderstanding. They are making me think he hit or shoved Yolanda. And since she's not on Real Housewives anymore, there were no captures to capture it. No cameras to capture it. What am I saying? Okay, so here's the thing. We've got a lot of time or got a lot of statements to kind of build out our timeline here. So I'm going to read them because I, I truly think they're so like weird and convoluted that something definitely did happen as opposed to people being like I equivocally deny that you know anything happened it's like okay what's going on so on Thursday the 28th TMZ reports that Zane again the word struck is what's being used here so I feel like that's important struck Yolanda and Gigi asks for privacy for her and her daughter Zane's response statement to TMZ is quote I adamantly deny striking Yolanda Hadid again the word strike for the sake of my daughter, I declined to give any further details. And then he goes on to say he hopes, quote, Yolanda will reconsider her false allegations and move towards healing these family issues in private. And then he tweeted, as you all know, this is the beginning of the tweet, quote, as you all know, I'm a very private person and I very much want to create a safe and private place for my daughter to grow up in a place where private family matters aren't thrown on the world stage for all to poke and pick apart in an effort to protect that space for her I agreed to not contest claims arising from an argument I had with a family member of my partners who entered our home while my partner was away several weeks ago that was and still should be a private matter but it seems for now there's divisiveness and despite my efforts to restore us to a peaceful family environment that will allow me to co-parent my daughter in a manner in which she deserves this has been leaked to the press um what the part that i'm the place where private family matters aren't thrown on the world stage for all to pick and poke apart poke and pick apart easy for me to say he had a lot of peas in there i'm i apologize for your ears if you're using headphones it's just me messy right like it doesn't feel like a situation where it's like a misunderstanding or like they have resolved this in their home. It seems like Yolanda straight up was trying to find like texting Andy Cohen or something. and was like, alert, alert, bring me back on like Zane hit me. Um, I'm confident that we will learn more about this. I was reading rumors about his like alleged drug uses on gossip blogs the last few months. So like putting that out there either way, if he's struggling or attempting to be sober, it could be a struggle that way you know, we're going to keep catching up with this for sure. And I probably should say allegedly a few more times in there, allegedly Zane struck, but I used quotes, right? Ugh. 
my attorneys are surely listening to this, so they'll let me know. Please, I'm obsessed with this story. Okay, poor Olivia Jade cannot catch a break. She's on Dancing with the Stars trying to separate herself from her parents' crimes. And then people are saying she's hooking up with her married partner. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to have fun. And then her parents are like, wait, wait, wait. We want to be in the news again, too. So Lori Laughlin has served her time. She's paid her fines and done her community service. And I'm assuming Massimo has, too, or he's close to being done. But now she's allegedly privately agreed to help two students pay their way through four-year colleges and all of their additional expenses. And I just have to be like, who are these children? Who are these kids? Like, did they go to Olivia Jade's high school? Or are they kids from an hour away who are, like, way smarter than me or Olivia Jade and would have had to take on a lot of debt for an education and Lori Laughlin's going to pay for them to go to Stanford. Like, why? I doubt it. But, like, who are these people? How did this happen? I need so many details. It's just so crazy. I really had to tell you guys because, like, I don't know if you guys knew this, but she is going back to work. But it's not at Hallmark. It's at a network that's split from Hallmark. But they're still doing the Hallmark show that I guess she was on season one and they're filming season two and the network is also called GAC which if you pronounce that it's like GAC what um I guess there's like a whole divide in a situation where in the Hallmark um staples have like signed contracts with this GAC network and the disgraced former CEO from Hallmark is the one who's like running this other network and it seems like a great opportunity for Lori Laughlin because she was just in prison but I'm a little confused about Trevor Donovan who was on 90210 and has an overall deal with GAC and also Danica McKellar who was like a Hallmark staple and now she's like appearing on ABC shows when it's theme nights but she also has a deal with this GAC network like so weird what is going on and they are making Christmas movies obviously that's that's the other thing but I doubt as many as Lifetime or Netflix come through Vanessa Hudgens My first question this week is why is Katie Kirk's memoir so chaotic and why is Brian Cox's similarly chaotic but clearly executed better Um, We're going to start with Katie's. Um, I haven't read it yet. It just came out, I think, last week. I think a lot of women my age, especially ones raised by white women, worshipped Katie Couric in their households. Her leaving the Today Show was devastating, and her subsequent work has been meh. So, a memoir is exciting. Especially if it seems to be a drag fest of former colleagues and peers, except it seems like it's not for the one that we would like it to be. Um, she confirmed that when she was talking about Diane Sawyer once, she said, quote, I wonder who she had to blow to get that in regards to an interview that she wanted. Um, like I admire her for confirming it, but like she didn't have to, you know, she goes on to discuss Diane Sawyer's appearance that she was sleek and sophisticated while Katie Kirk was fun and feisty. Like Diane Sawyer being attractive, helped her get a career. Like Katie Kirk is ugly or something. Definitely seemed like there was a little resentment there and that when she talked about Matt Lauer, she apparently says that she was like disappointed and disgusted and all this stuff. That's what I really want to read about. You know what I mean? But it seems like we talk about colleagues. We talk about other women, talk about Annalie Bashford. um, And then there's also (laughs) some stuff about her first husband who passed away when her kids were just toddlers and these like alarming discoveries about his beliefs of the Confederacy, a KKK book comes up. 
like, I hate to say it, but I want Ann Curry stories, you know? Um, I want horror stories of Matt Lauer. Like, obviously, you know, the devastation of the loss of her husband's an important part of her life, but maybe she should have just written a memoir before this. Like, she should write two, and the other one should be juicier. But we'll see. All of the clips, or all of the little pieces she has said in interviews were taken out of context because people keep calling her a misogynist. So we'll see if that's true. She did have that like the whole thing where she left out part of RBG's quote, which I'm like, that's just bad journalism, right? Anyway, a much funnier memoir we're going to get that I um, have to ask. Did he just say, I'm too old to care what you think of me. So I'm going for it, which I admire greatly is Brian Cox or uh, Logan Roy L to the OG. Um, succession is back baby and um, I never would have ever said oh I should read Brian Cox's memoir until I started seeing these quotes and he is obliterating his peers and I am here for it I cannot wait to be the age where I do not care what any of you think of me Um, way more fun also to obliterate your peers when you're an old white man than when you are a middle-aged woman you know what I mean like Katie Couric talking about Diane Sawyer is like uncomfortable but Brian Cox talking about how Johnny Depp isn't talented is funny. Um, he also slanders Michael Caine, Quentin Tarantino, Ed Norton, and apparently has nothing but kind words for the late Alan Rickman. So I guess I'm asking for memoirs for Christmas, ladies and gents. Why is Facebook changing its name? Does anyone know? Seriously. Why? Let's talk about what we're watching, what we're paying attention to, because it's Netflix-oriented. Yikes, easy for me to say. But we've got like a lot of a lot going on here because we've got some selling sunset relationships that we're going to have to watch play out on screen. And I feel like we should just have like a heads up going in. The first is Chriselle and Jason Oppenheim, which like this has to be for cameras, right? I just like don't buy that for three years we never saw any sort of chemistry between them at all. And then all of a sudden they were like, we love each other. We're going on beach trips with his twin. Okay. Um, also people have like seen them together and I feel like very few people have been like, they have chemistry. Uh, so we'll see what that's about. But the other one is Heather's marriage to Tarek El Moussa with honestly the world's ugliest like wedding party dresses, like the dresses she put her bridesmaids in the dresses she put Tarek's sons or daughters in hideous. That's an opinion. So I can't get sued, but I don't care either way. I stand by it. Um, they appear to be two people who like can't move on because their first dance song was to a song called One Man Band, which Tarek told People Magazine was about a man who was tired of being famous in a one-man band until he found the right woman. I have not listened to it to confirm the validity of those lyrics, but I'm good. Um, Heather apparently invited everyone except Christine to the wedding, which I do kind of respect because if the cameras were rolling, you'd probably feel like you had to invite the whole cast, even if you're not close to him, close to them. And she was like, no, I'm not friends with this woman. I'm not inviting her to my wedding, but I am wearing a Rapunzel like braid. So deal with that. Um, okay. A lot. Um, and FYI, we are getting the new season. I think at the end of November is what I have read. Um, Davina left which is sad for, I think, most of us because she was the butt of our jokes. But 
I don't know if that $75 million house, I, I occasionally do see TikToks where people just show it listed and are like, FYI, it still hasn't sold. I haven't seen one recently, but maybe that man was willing to receive less money for it from someone else. I don't know. Brett Oppenheim, one of the twins, also left to start his own brokerage and it has like an eerily familiar name. It's like Oppenheim Group. And then he started like Oppenheim Real Estate or something. It's like, okay, those will get confused. That should be fine. But also like if you don't like being on camera, then wouldn't you just be like, we can't do the show anymore instead of just leaving your brother and starting a whole other company? I don't know why he did it, but that feels like it has to be part of it. So I don't know if that's going to be some drama, but that should be interesting to see all play out on camera. And I'm excited for the cameras to be at Heather's wedding because it was tacky from the photos. So I only assume the videos are the same. Okay, interesting collaboration that was announced this week that we have to keep an eye out for. I don't know if we're calling it Skindy or Fems. Fem, yep. Um, Kim Kardashian West's loungewear brand has done a capsule collection with Fendi, and it is shapewear covered in the Fendi logo. It is not for me, but it is for someone, so congrats to them and their $3,000 puffer jacket. Um, I guess Kimberly is going around discussing the juxtaposition of doing like loungewear with a luxury brand and she quite literally keeps calling it tension. She's like the tension of loungewear in, you know, high end designs like, okay. Oh yeah. The quote is form fitting apparel with luxury and quality. I think Lululemon would be offended. Um, the collection launches the morning of November 9th. I have to assume if it goes well, it won't be the last of this partnership we see, but it also feels like any you know any other skims or capsule collection or um, anything like that it'll probably go pretty quickly so you know if you want to take a peek you might want to it's probably like an Ivy Park situation I have to confess to you guys that when I saw Kim first post about it I kind of glazed over the caption and who she was partnering with and I initially thought it said Fenty and I was like you've got to be kidding me that Rihanna and Kim Kardashian are partnering together for, because honestly it made more sense in my mind that like Savage Fenty and Skims would do a partnership because it's all just like underwear or whatever but I was truly shocked turns out I was obviously wrong she's you know making killer makeup and you know making quilts for Aesop Rocky so she doesn't have time to partner with Kim Kardashian but I was truly taken aback for a moment but it's Fendi don't worry it's Fendi <laughs> I got to tell you, I couldn't do this Jada and Will's story. I saw someone on Twitter say, everything I've learned about their marriage is against my will, and that's so true. We know so much about Jada and Will's relationship, and yet nothing at all. But most of what we know doesn't seem like they are happy, which is sad. We know about the entanglement with August, but now Jada's talking about how it's like hard to maintain a sex life. Which, listen, they've been married for 25 years. I'm not out here judging, but like, why is she telling people? I don't know. I got to go watch that Red Table Talk with Gwyneth Paltrow. So, you know, they are gooping it up. Um, also, like other things, you know, Katie Thurston and Blake Moyes. Moyes? Moyes? Doesn't matter because they broke up. Um, I don't think anyone was really surprised. I think most of us thought it would last longer, but we're not completely surprised that it did end. I think the thing that was most shocking is that they seemed to say, like, our lives just weren't compatible, but, like, 
why do we keep acting like we don't know these things? Like, she knew he was going to travel a lot for work. They knew they didn't live in the same place. She actually moved further away from Canada when she moved from, like, Seattle to San Diego. I do not know what this whole crew of Bachelor people are doing in San Diego, but it feels like a lot of people are moving to San Diego and a lot of people are moving to Austin, Texas, and the rest of us are just lame, I guess, guys, I don't know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's sad, obviously, it's always sad, and you know what else is sad in the Bachelor world? JP and Ashley's divorce was finalized, so sad, that one's even more sad because they were, like, genuinely married for a long time and had children together, honestly, much sadder than Blake and Katie, um, I love that people were like, is she gonna contact Greg? I think Greg's happy living his life, I think they clearly are toxic together um apparently I'm doing a little bachelor outro who knew that was gonna happen but you know see you guys on Tuesdays also guys I have to tell you something I've been watching the voice I know that I feel like collectively we all stopped watching but Ariana Grande is really good at it and it's been fun so if you need an easy watch watch the voice hire me NBC okay guys thanks for catching up bye